Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy, hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 394 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe and I am the kooky creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, Putting the K in Magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and All That Good Shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode, back on Blog Talk Radio, where you will also find a link to my new audio journey. Yay! The Magic Star, Five Steps to Deliberate Creation, is officially released, and you can do that any time you feel like it when you follow the link. Sign up, and your audio journey will begin. And you will also find links there to today's very special guest, Joni Griffith. And I'm not going to tell you anything about Joni because I want you to stick around and find out for yourself that this woman is amazing, super inspiring. This is high vibe, high energy, going to make you want to live the dream out loud. That's what kind of interview this is. And it's coming up in just a second. I first have to thank the amazing people supporting the podcast over on Patreon. And I want to give a shout out to new patrons there, Polly, Sarah Donaldson, LaDawn, Gabrielle Carpenter, and welcome back, Elizabeth LaPaul. Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much for keeping me in my house, for, for paying my rent. I really appreciate it. And if any of you are Patreon curious, we are exploring shadow work, shadow work in magic this month. And you can sign up for as little as a dollar and go back through the archives all the way back to the beginning for whatever tier you sign up for. And also, before the interview begins, I have a couple of thoughts I want to share about an experience I had today. I'm a person who has been going to the movies by myself my entire adult life. It is one of the great pleasures of my life. I love sneaking away during the daytime to go see a movie. I usually see movies in the late morning. Today, I went to go see Tolkien, the biography of J.R.R. Tolkien. Have you seen it? Have you heard of it? Have you seen a trailer? Do not listen to the out of their minds, high on some kind of bad drug critics who do not like this movie. I looked at Rotten Tomatoes and the critics were, I mean, there were critics that loved it, but there were a lot of critics that did not like it. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. And then I went over and I looked at fan reviews and the fans really liked it. And some were commenting on Rotten Tomatoes and saying, sorry, Rotten Tomatoes, you guys got this wrong. And uh, one of the negative reviews said, I don't know why they keep making movies about writers. And it was that coupled with, with I think it was a woman, 
one the one who said I don't know why they keep making movies about writers was supposed to be negative, but I was like, they make them for people like me, motherfucker. And then a woman fan on Fandango was saying like, sorry, Rotten Tomatoes, you guys got this wrong. This is a beautiful movie. And I was like, yeah, I need to see this. I almost always will go see a biopic about a famous writer. I almost always love those movies. And this, this was no exception, except I had a very strange experience this time. The movie theater that I usually go to is at a place called the Americana. It's an AMC theater. It's huge. There are many, many theaters within the facility, and there's a long, like there's the big, huge blockbuster theaters up front, like before you get to the concession stand, and then once you pass the concession stand, there's this super long hallway of smaller theaters, and then the tiniest theaters reserved for independent films or smaller movies is way at the end of the hall, and that's where Tolkien was playing today. <laughs> and because I got there in the morning, it's like it often is. There weren't very many people there. There's not even someone taking your ticket stubs. They just kind of wave you through at the front desk. You walk right up to the concession stand. I always get a hot tea. But it was spooky empty today. Not hardly anybody there. I usually enjoy this, except when I walked all the way down to the long hall, no people around, all by myself, and went into the dark theater. There was a man standing there, totally cool, nothing, no vibes coming off this man at all. He clearly worked there. He was wearing a suit, and he had his name tag. He looked like a manager, maybe, of the theater, and I walked in and I laughed because I was the only person in the theater and the movie was about to start. And he goes, oh, it looks like you have a private screening. And then he left. And I was in the movie theater all by myself. And the terror hit me of being a woman all by myself and the door closing. One man knowing I was there alone. What if he was a bad guy? Keep in mind, this guy gave me no bad guy vibes. I'm just a woman in the world. This simultaneously pisses me off and terrifies me. It pisses me off because it terrifies me that I'm sitting there in the dark, alone, in a room, at the end of a hall. I don't know if anybody would hear me if I... I'm sitting there thinking these things. Would anybody hear me if I was screaming and yelling? I'm trying to look up to the projection window, like where the projector's coming out to see, is there movement in there? Is there a person in there? Is there glass? Is there a hole? Will they hear me if I yell? I'm checking the exits. I don't like where I'm seeing because somebody could walk in behind me. So then I get up and I move like toward the back of the theater where I can see the two exits. One exit goes out to a back alley and I'm like, it wouldn't be good if I have to go out that door because the bad guy could probably chase me. And then if they come through this door, I'm going to be blocked. Like I was so annoyed that I was having those thoughts in my head. I had an experience in my 20s when I was in the movies by myself at the Man's Chinese Theater and it wasn't a totally empty theater. I wasn't the only person there, but it, there weren't many people there. And the movie I was watching was halfway over when a man came and sat down right next to me. And I was like, oh, fuck, this can't be good. And he started jerking off 
like sitting right next to me, like elbow to elbow. And I just froze and then like ran out of the theater, out the door, like to outside before I realized, oh my God, I should tell somebody. And then I had to like bang on the door for them to try to let me back in. And it didn't stop me from continuing to go to the movies, but it made me nervous to be alone in uh, certain situations in movie theaters. And today I was entirely alone. So I I would say it took me all through the trailers of seriously fretting, being like, should I go get my money back? I don't like, <laughs> I don't, how do you guys feel about this? I'm just wondering, because there's, there's a voice in my head that's like, this is ridiculous. Just enjoy yourself and let it go. And there's another voice in my head that's like, Maybe, maybe I should just leave and come back another time. Like I'm debating all of these things, right? Then I dial 911 on my phone. <laughs> I can't, I actually, I don't know if this is a crazy thing to do. If anybody else ever does anything like this, I'm curious to know women, if you're listening right now, I know the men are probably like, what is she talking about? But surely some women know what I'm saying. I dialed 911 on my phone and then left my phone out. So if somebody walked in, I would just be able to be like, send <laughs> straight to 911. And all I had in my purse was a pen. So I uh, pushed the little button. So the little pointy metal part that you write with came out of my pen. And I was holding my pen with my phone right there. And I was somewhat consoled that I had a piping hot coffee that I could rip the lid off and throw (laughs) at a bad guy. It sounds ridiculous now, but these are all thoughts that went through my head and all things I really did moving to the back, you know, where I could see the exits, taking out the pin, dialing 911, having my coffee. I'll like, okay, I'll rip the lid off. I'll throw it at the guy. Nothing bad happened, but it took me all through the trailers of seriously contemplating all of this, and then it took some time to get into the movie, and then I would just say it was just like a passing thought every so often while watching the movie, but I was able to enjoy the movie. But I have to say, too, when I left the theater, I had Gwen Stefani singing, I'm just a girl in my head because this is the most annoying thing that you can't just go do something nice for yourself by yourself <sighs> without thinking about those things. It's really, it, I, I'm telling you this because this actually ties into today's interview, but, and you'll see how later. Let me tell you about the movie Tolkien. First of all, I keep thinking this is the summer that I'm finally going to read The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. I have never read either, and the fandom is so huge, it both intimidates me, like, you know, I I don't even know, maybe I'm just not going to get it. You know, when something's like so famous that you try to check it out, and you're like, what? is everybody talking about? I'm just not feeling it. (laughs) I don't get it. And it could just be really anticlimactic. Maybe it's a thing for like teenage boys. I don't really know. I don't really know. I enjoyed the movies. I can say that much. I did not see all the movies though. So I didn't, I guess I didn't enjoy it that much. I saw the first couple and they were very lovely. And I love magic, obviously. And I love trees, obviously. So I've been thinking like this summer, I will watch this or I will read this. And then when I saw that the movie of Tolkien's life was coming out, I was like, oh, okay, let's go check it out. 
this movie, again, I don't know what the critics... A part of me thinks movie critics need to be categorized. They need to have movie critics for certain genres. I just don't know how right it is for movie critics to get really popular and then review every movie. I always give the example of Roger Ebert, who was my favorite movie critic because he clearly adored movies. You want your movie critic to be a movie lover. But I don't like the review he gave Working Girl, and it always bugged me because I was like, this is not for you. Like, he would always, too, give romantic comedies, like, not good reviews. And I'm thinking, well, a romantic comedy lover should be reviewing a romantic comedy movie. (laughs) You know what I mean? Do you know what I'm saying? Let's divide these suckers up by genre. (laughs) I don't know what the writer biopic genre would be, but I'm telling you, if you like that kind of thing, you will love this movie. To me, it was kind of a thriller. I felt thrilled. I felt in suspense in parts of it and super engaged. I loved the involvement of trees. And at the very, very beginning of it, Tolkien's mom would read to him and his brother, stories about dragons and mythology. And I was sitting there afraid and thinking about the interview that's coming up because we talk about this in this interview and thinking about the battle that was going on inside of me of should I stay or should I go? It seems ridiculous to go, but also if something horrible happens, I'll feel like a fool for not trusting that weird feeling I have. All that battle is going on. And the mom reads to the sons a line from, I Googled it, so I found out what it is. It's from the Red Fairy Book, which was published in 1890. No brave man lets death frighten him from his desire. We could name that the episode of, the name of this episode, No Brave Woman Lets Death Frighten Her From Her Desire, because Joni Griffith is a woman who embodies this. One more time for the people in the back row. No brave woman lets death frighten her from her desire. (laughs) And when when that line was said, I was like, oh, right, right. Yes, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. This is a movie about love and courage and how love gives you courage. Love of life, love of art, love for your friends. All the different kinds of love. I love, 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 loved it. Couldn't recommend it more highly. So if it's in your area, go check it out. Go check it out. And I think I should just lead into this interview now to stop keeping you in suspense because it's a really, really fun, unexpected, I did not expect to meet Joni, I'll share how I met her here in in the process of airing this interview. You'll find out our whole story. I did not expect this. This is just a wonderful, delightful surprise for the podcast. So without any further ado, here she is, Joni Griffith. Hi, Joni. Welcome to Hippie Witch. Hi, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. You're a Joanna. 
I am a Joanna. I know it was it was fate. <laughs> We're both Joannas. How does a Joanna become a Joni? I've never heard that before. Yeah, actually. So originally, my parents wanted to name me Joni. They're like, we like this name. It's great. But then apparently they had the afterthought of what if she becomes someone famous that needs a professional name, you know, Joni sounds too much like a nickname. What are we going to do? <laughs> so in case I became a, fav- a, you know, a famous lawyer of, you know, criminal justice or whatever, they wanted me to have a professional sounding name as well. So interesting. Well, you are a performer. Do you feel like you had a sense when you were a kid that you were going to be a star or are you moving that way right now in your life or did your parents ever talk about that? I'm just curious because you mentioned yeah. in that context. Yeah. Um, well, my mom did do stage performance for a while before she became a music teacher full time. Um, and I always loved, love, 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 love music and performance. And it's funny. I think that I guess I did have this idea that I wanted to do something with music in my life because a while ago I found just a random little journal from middle school. And I was talking about like how much I wanted to incorporate music into my life in the future and make it happen somehow. So although it doesn't feel like a, you know, a straight trajectory, I guess it's kind of always had little poles to that area. Yeah. Okay. So let, let's tell people you're, you're quite young. You're, are you 25? Am I remembering that correctly? I actually just turned 26 yesterday. Happy birthday. Thank you. Yay. So what does that make you? You're a Taurus? I am. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. See, to me, when I think of Taurus, I think of like slow and steady wins the race, but you seem like a very zippy person to me. (laughs) Yeah, I'm definitely not of the slow and steady nature. I think though that a lot of that is me kind of, I don't know, counterbalancing that aspect because I could be someone that's very like, oh my gosh, only familiar things, but I don't want that to be how I live my life. So then I have this, I don't know, the second side of me that is like so in motion constantly. And, you know, hopefully they even each other out in the end. Yeah, you are definitely not holding back, woman. I mean, the reason that we're talking here, let's just tell everybody about what you just did. The big, huge adventure. Yes. So I just got back from biking across the United States uh, on my bicycle basically totally alone, except when I accidentally met met random other people on their bicycles who biked with me for a few days or so. Um, Yeah, so 2,650 miles total. Whoa. Where did you start from? I started, I have an aunt and uncle that live in South Carolina on the Atlantic coast. So I started there and then I made my way across the Southern states to LA and then up from LA to Berkeley, which is where I ended Amazing. Amazing. I, this is for people listening. I actually got to meet Joni because I I had no idea who you were. You wrote to me, you wrote to me, the subject line was zone of lies. And I was like, what is this? Because for anybody who doesn't know, the zone of lies is what I call the comfort zone. And then I opened this email and you're like, hello, I'm a listener of the podcast and I'm riding my bike across country and I'll be in LA. And I was like, what? Who is this person? Who and who? And I must meet her. So we had a lovely coffee and chatted our faces off. Totally. 
Yeah, so you are, I mean, so adventurous to be a young, beautiful woman alone on a bike riding across Hmm. country. I feel like that brings up a lot of fear for, if not most people, many people. Oh my gosh, yeah. So there was definitely a little bit of, well, there was fear for me, for sure. Um, But I noticed that as I went along, so many people had so much more like such intense fear for me. And it was hard to, you know, continually not have that projected on you and soak that up. Because I think, I mean, really, most people that I met were far, 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 far more concerned than I actually was um, in the situation. And it was, yeah, it's nuts. There's just, there's definitely a lot of especially, you know, younger women going off into the world. There's a lot of just fear and confusion and misinformation that people have about what that might look like if they've never done it. Well, what does the misinformation involve? Yeah, I think, well, most of it, I think, is people being too committed to fully believing all of the bad stories that they hear and extrapolating that that is the case in every instance. Because, of course, there are scenarios where things are not safe, things do not go well, and those are the stories that most people hear about. And then they say, aha, I internalized this and this is truth. Like, this is how the world works. It doesn't matter if they have had any experiences, like if they have not had any experiences like that, or they do not know anyone who's ever had a negative experience, that's just like the lore that gets, you know, put in your body and you say, it's true. Everyone needs to be wary of this horrible world. Yeah. I remember reading Wild, Cheryl Strayed's book, Mm -hmm. where she hikes the, what is that, the Pacific Coast Trail alone when she was a young woman. And then the whole book, I was like, any minute now she's going to be sexually assaulted. I just know it. And there is a a moment where she's nervous for her safety, but she makes Mm -hmm. it through the whole thing. And I was like, wow, that was really interesting that I carried that with me through the entire journey of that book. And it didn't even happen. Yeah, there's just like this idea of how young, not necessarily young, but how just women are going to be, how their story is going to go in the context of the larger world. Those Um, are the stories we tell. Yes. Yeah. So I guess we're here to have you tell a different story. Did you you feel prepared? Should, because I mean, assault is... A reality. Did you feel yes. prepared? Did you have a game plan? Did you have your feelers out for any weird vibes? Yeah, so I consider myself to be fairly good at understanding or like reading a situation and removing myself from the situation. I've lived in like a fairly large sized city for the last eight years. Um, and honestly, like just my daily life in the normal world feels far more dangerous person wise than biking across the country. Mm. What city do um, you live in? I live in Minneapolis, okay. in Minnesota. So, you know, we're mid sized. We're not LA. <laughs> <laughs> We met in the sketchiest part of LA. 
I was like, I'm so sorry. This is the part of LA that we're meeting in. I swear there's pretty parts. Welcome to the city. Yeah. So anyway, going back to what you're saying about being prepared. Yeah. I, I didn't bring anything crazy. I had pepper spray. Um, and I just kind of put myself in the position where I was like, okay, like I know how to get out of situations before they become potentially dangerous. If I'm in a dangerous situation, I feel like I know like the best course of action that I personally can do. And I'm just going to put all of my good, you know, feelings out there and hopefully (laughs) keep some sort of, you know, buffer around myself where I like choose to put myself into positive scenarios and hopefully that will help to a certain point. Yeah. It's interesting when I think about too, like a lot of women are attacked in their own neighborhoods or walking to to their car at the mall parking lot or at Mm -hmm. school or in at a party at their friend's house. And it's so strange that we hem ourselves in and live smaller and smaller lives when really, I guess I compare it to natural disasters. It's like, I don't want to live in LA because of the earthquakes, but earthquakes, if I move over here, this place has uh, flooding. And then if I move over here, this place has tornadoes. And it's just like, you can't outrun nature and you can't outrun danger. It's everywhere. And so you really do just have to move through the world confidently and with all your best vibes and awareness of what's going on in your surroundings. And if you want to ride your bike across the country, do it. (laughs) Yeah, I, I very much, I identify with that and agree with that a lot that Yeah, all of these things that are, you know, could be potentially harmful or detrimental do really exist. They exist everywhere. They can show up in your backyard. They can show up, you know, and then 40 miles away, 50 miles, 2,000 miles away. And so just the idea that, you know, like danger only exists in a certain context, like in the context of riding your bike across the country, just... I knew that that wasn't true, (laughs) and I knew that, you know, just, I would rather, I would rather go out and encounter danger doing something that I thought was really exciting and beautiful than wait to encounter danger in maybe something that felt mundane or routine. That's a good way of putting it. Do you, was, is there a community like online of women talking about things like this? Is there a community of women that support each other and cheer each other on and share their stories? You know, there are some people who have, you know, blogged or written articles that I read before going that were solo females going off onto bicycle adventures. Um, and oh gosh, what is it? I'm pretty sure there's a website. It's like women who ride, I want to say, or something to that extent, or maybe that's just an Instagram hashtag. Um, well, check but, out the hashtag if you're interested, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. but there's definitely, uh, there's definitely a smaller community 
uh, more modest size than all of the male tours of bicycles out there. But they are some people who have done it. And it was really nice to read that, especially, you know, there are people, there are women who have gone abroad and done bicycle trips, which feels even more vulnerable if you're not super privy to language or customs of the area that you are. Um, so there's definitely a lot of really wonderful, courageous, courageous ladies out there reading each other's stories and saying, yes, you can do it too. Yeah. Do, do you see yourself doing another ride, maybe in another country at some point? Oh, I would love to do another ride. Um, I definitely think, though, that I've learned that I would love for my second trip to be uh, more off-road. So doing like fire roads and gravel trails and roads just because it can get kind of stressful and just wears on you a little bit when you always have traffic passing you like three to four feet away constantly. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. How did it go in Big Sur? I was so excited you were oh! going to Big Sur. And then I was so worried because every time I'm going around those windy, tight, steep roads where people come whipping around the corner, you'll see bikers and they have like the tiniest little space to, you yeah. know, if, if an accident happens to get out of the way, there's not much room. So mm-hmm. I was like, I'm scared for you. I'm what I was one of those people. <laughs> please, <laughs> please don't die, please. <laughs> yeah. Oh, big sir. So everyone talked it up that I met along the way. And I thought, oh, you know, it's probably going to be pretty beautiful. But they're right. It is that beautiful. It is. Um, So it was gorgeous, out of control, beautiful. The wind, I think, was more ferocious than the vehicles, however. Ah. The wind was blowing the opposite direction as I was. Um, And psychologically, there is something just very horrific about having to paddle with all of your might downhill. (laughs) because of wind (laughs) my goodness yeah it's it was rough there were some like 30 mile per hour days um but yeah i mean traffic was i feel like traffic wouldn't have been that bad again if it wasn't that wind that made me feel kind of you know off center and like really shoved around and then also being like oh my gosh like the cars are probably getting whipped around a little bit too i don't want them to whip into me on the side of the road But, you know, you be safe, you put your lights on, and at a certain point, you just have to take up space on the road. Like, in the most, you know, still polite and, you know, respectable way to the other drivers, but don't feel like you have to sandwich yourself into this, like, little three-inch strip of road just to make other people happy. Like, at a certain point for the next, you know, Three minutes, you're going to take up more of the road and people are just going to have to deal with it because it's just safer for everyone in the end. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking as I'm listening to you about how some people are driven by, there's two forces that drive us, pain and pleasure. And you seem to be a person who the, <laughs> the pleasure can take you through the pain of fear. You're like, yes, I could die, but it'll be worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so dramatic, but that's kind of true. Yes, I mean, it, you know? it, it, I think what you did is dramatic. Even in just hanging out with you in the coffee shop, it was so fun to watch the people light up, the people that worked there when they found out what you did. And and then <laughs> you left for a second to use the bathroom, and they were just a buzz, like, oh my gosh, can you believe she did it? And then they had a million questions for you, and I could see on your face that you were enjoying that interaction. So mm-hmm. it, it's, 
it's thrilling for people to, I think, hear stories like this. Yeah. And that was something that ended up being so cool and like almost a motivating factor that didn't start out that way. Um, initially it started out like, I'm going to do this thing for myself and I'm going to learn a lot and it's going to be terrible and great all at the same time. But then like you said, just seeing how excited people were about it was really exciting to me because I thought, you know, geez, like if it took me this long to convince myself to do this thing and now I'm like a big proponent of like, do your scary stuff. Um, it was just so exciting to see people get excited about, you know, the possibility like, whoa, like maybe I'm not going to bike across the country, but like, what's my leap that I want to take? Like this, this crazy girl did it. Like I can do it. What's the thing I want to do? And that was so exciting to me. That was so exciting. Yeah. It's like living your purpose, having fun too. And, and really, I do believe that that stepping outside your zone of lies or taking a leap of faith. It's something you do for yourself, but then, like you said, it ends up having this amazing ripple effect when people are witness to that and they start going, wow, I wonder what I could do too. Yeah. And I think another component of that is that, you know, you could have not only just in inspiring people, but you could have something really amazing to bring to people that you have been too afraid to make the leap. So really, like, you're not only denying yourself, but you're denying everyone all the cool stuff that you might be able to bring to them. Mm-hmm. What did you learn about yourself that you did not know before this trip? Oh, hmm. Um, I, that is a hard question. Um, I feel like I learned so many things. Um, I definitely learned that I am more capable physically and mentally of overcoming challenges than I thought I initially was. I knew that I had like an extreme, you know, stubborn disposition, (laughs) which has sometimes gotten me into trouble. Um, but just the extent that I was able to like kind of harness the focus of that into actually making something happen, was a really big learning experience for me. Um, I also learned that I function so well and I can get so much done when I'm not crazy stressed. Yeah. (laughs) Or when I make room. Um, That was another big part of this for me is that I was, I felt like I was so packed and I was so like packed with other people's stuff, which is really exciting because like as a performer and collaborator, I'm always working on other people's stuff, which in a certain regard, like you get to add your own personal flavor and whatever too. But I felt like I didn't have, I hadn't allowed myself for a while time to just have like these pockets of space, um, mentally and also time-wise just for myself (laughs) to exist in. And um, didn't you quit it was like great. three jobs? Didn't you have three jobs? I did. I did. Yeah. All my three part-time jobs. And I said, bye, I'm biking across the country. Yeah. And that was so scary to do that. So did you go back to those jobs or did you go get a different job? Oh, so I just got back pretty recently, like about a week ago. And so now I'm in the process of kind of trying to re 
rebuild and decide what I'm holding on to and what I'm not holding on to. And as of right now, I have not contacted. I know for sure I'm not going back to two of them. There's a possibility for one because I did feel a lot of like pride and excitement around that. But yeah, it was just like a good time to let go of some of those things because Mm -hmm. I don't know. They just were at the point where like they had run their course and this was the perfect opportunity for me to usher new things into my life. Yeah. Well, you made the opportunity. What was the original spark that made you even begin to think about this? Oh man, uh, I love bicycles. <laughs> Clearly, and um, uh, so I had pondered the idea of bicycle trip, some sort of bicycle trip for a while, but I think the original spark was just that I felt kind of too comfortable and not a good way. Like I felt like, hmm, what are you like? What are you doing? I don't feel like as challenged or as uncomfortable as I want to feel. (laughs) I'm one of those weird people that is a big believer in personal development through the form of discomfort. Mm. Um, And, you know, also the idea of the zone of lies, not like no... No product placement here, but totally. Yeah, I mean, Joanna that was Devoe, a... <laughs> registered trademark, Zone of Lies. I need to trademark. Huge idea. <laughs> yeah, that would make a good book. It, that was a huge shift for me because we always say comfort zone, and the comfort zone sounds so comfy. That sounds nice. Mm-hmm. I, I felt it needed a reframe. Yeah, but just like that idea, I remember I was like, whoa, wait a second. Like, what are. Like, what are you, how are you lying to yourself, you know, about this idea that you have about leaving for a time and going on some sort of journey that involves a bicycle? And it was all of these fears of like, oh, you know, like all of my community will dissipate when I leave or I'll never have enough money to do this or I'll never have enough time to do this. Um, Just all of those are like, it's too scary. It's too, I'm too afraid. I'm too afraid of it. And you know, then thinking about, well, what are you actually afraid of? Um, and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what was your absolute best memory of this trip? Oh, man. Oh, it's so hard to narrow it down into one. You can say more than one. <laughs> I think the overall best part of the trip was all of the interactions that I had with people. Um And I think one of my best memories that exemplifies that, just the intense, you know, like generosity and wonder that people actually have. Um, A lot of times I would not know where I was going to stay for the night because you're, it's hard to plan when you're doing a bike trip, you know, like, am I going to go 60 miles today? Like, maybe that's my goal, but then what if a crazy thunderstorm pops up and you get rained out for three hours and can't make it that far? So a lot of times I would be like, okay, I'm probably going to arrive in this town, but they don't have a campsite. You know, they don't really have any sleeping arrangements that are reasonable. So I would just be like, I'm going to find a safe place to sleep. (laughs) Wow. And um, one of those days... 
I had originally, I was going to make it to Needles, California, and I had gone through this crazy, beautiful mountain. Um, it was a lot of work, but at the end of the day with wind and mountain, I just like, wasn't going to make it there. So I was like, Oh crap. Like, I don't know where I'm going to sleep. I don't know what is going on. I was in this really tiny town. I was like, okay, figure it out. So I just stopped there was this dollar store and I just stopped outside of it. Cause I was like, well, maybe I'll get some food, but also more importantly, it's shady. And I'd been in the desert and almost as soon as I sit down, a guy comes over and just asks, Hey, are you okay? And I was, I uh, uh, said, well, yeah, I'm fine. You know, I was just resting for a little bit, just trying to get some shade and we get to talking and it merges from a, just like, person asking a stranger if they're all right to him being like oh wow you know like I have this friend who does a lot of camping around here like he'd probably have some recommendations for you and he like flags his friend down and the friend's talking and they are you know discussing options and determine that meh there's probably not really any good places you can camp around here without getting bothered so what ends up happening is this guy that I met Henry um is staying is house sitting for someone and they have an rv in the backyard and it turns into him letting me stay in this swanky rv in this backyard that has a shower that works and uh like a little toilet in there and like takes me out and like buys me a sandwich and I get to meet all of the wacky locals in the town and just you know it was just so wonderful it was so 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 wonderful Henry shout out right? to Henry that's so no cool. kidding that is so cool and did you find this is true this is for me when I this is something I've learned from being the mother to a 25-year-old man with autism who rocks back and forth when we're in public and does things that call attention to us, I've learned, at least in my experience, people are more good than not. There are 99 amazing people for one jerk face. (laughs) And and that's what that has taught me, like going out into public with someone that's all the time, like, look at us and drawing attention our way. Did What was your experience just of the general population? People are so wonderful. I was absolutely blown away. Like, I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting this amount of, you know, kindness and, you know, just curiosity and generosity. And yeah, I really just, I can't, Sometimes I almost felt guilty that people were being so, like, nice to me. You got to let it in. You got to let it in. I know. I know. And I had to have that, like, wrestling debate with myself because I'm like, well, you know, like, they clearly value that you're here and you're talking to them and, you know, you're providing something, whether it's just an energetic benefit or, like, just the benefit of conversation or ideas to these people. So like, it's okay. (laughs) If they want to be nice to you, if they want to give you food, if they want to like give you water or a place to stay, like it's okay. (laughs) It's that is truly, I think the secret to 
life <laughs> to making a living I think doing what you love I think it's a lot of those feelings come up like is this okay or I feel guilty or I feel weird <clears throat> the podcast is a good example of that I'm having so much fun <laughs> and and then people write to me to tell me what it means to them and I feel like it's a similar thing what you did totally different on the surface but underneath it's that kind of following your bliss and mm. that ripple effect of the payoff for other people who feel like the resonance of that of like wow like the joy yeah. and the inspiration yeah that's something that I keep trying to and and kept trying to remind myself is that you know, I don't know. There is this idea that like work has to be hard. Yes, you must and for suffer. <laughs> and for something to be hard, it means there has to be suffering. And so then, you know, I think that then when you provide a counter to that, like what you're doing, um, maybe you feel guilty, but people feel great because maybe they see that and they're like, whoa, look, you can be happy and you can work and you can ask for money. <laughs> yes, all those things. All the, but it's so hard. There's a tarot card. It's the five of wands. And it's these guys, they're like fighting with their sticks, with their wands. And I've always thought of this as a, a card about sparring with life. Like life is going to challenge you today, but it's really just to strengthen you. And I I read with this deck called the Herbal Tarot in my kitchen. And the book is like one of the tiniest little just white and black flimsy printouts that you can get with a tarot deck. But one day I pulled that card and I flipped to it and the definition of it. And it said something about play to win. And I've always heard play to win as be determined, be a beast, play to win. Oh, yeah. And when I went, <laughs> I read it different that day. I saw play. 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 As so though mm. I, of course, I have goosebumps trying to explain this to you. So, of course, I bust out my bright yellow notepad and my post-it notes. And I wrote play to win. And I stuck it all over my house. <laughs> and... It just, it was one of those shifts where I, I all of a sudden saw this super common phrase in a different way. Play to win. Play. Ride your bike across the country. Yes. Play is such an important word for me in so many things that I do. I mean, you know, music, um, theater, all of those things, like play is so essential. And I think that I don't know, when I just see people living who have so much play in the way that they live their life, it is just, it's so exciting. And there's just so much, like, light just, like, buzzing out of them. It's, it's like, it's beautiful. And play is, is, can be really, like, I don't know, like, negative. Like, people have a negative response to play. Well, there's work and there's play. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, if you try and replace work with play or if you try and bring play into work it's like that's a big no-no you know you're not serious like you're not you're not getting it you're naive you're you know childish and Do you like, deserve to play have you worked hard enough to be able exactly to deserve yes. to play? <laughs> totally ah and I just I don't want that and I'm always trying to like beat that mentality off when it 
tries to encroach on me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hopefully all the things that you learned on this trip too, about how just doing something for the fun of it, because you want to, because you can, how that touches other people's lives. It would be awesome to bring that with you into your life as a performer. And I can't let you go without talking about this part of your life. Cause this is what you uh-huh. do all the time. You are in a band you are a trained opera singer, which I think is just wild. And you have, I a, am. You have a YouTube <laughs> channel that I really I need. I need you to explain this right now. Sure. Okay. So here comes play again. Um, what does Joni do when she bikes everywhere? Um, I sing on my bike constantly. And <laughs> it normally reverts into me singing like, old Broadway songs that I love and it just makes me so happy and I had this idea in my like in my brain stewing around for a while of like what if other people would like this and I was like what if I made a YouTube channel where I covered all of my favorite songs but I did it while I'm riding my bike live (laughs) and thus the idea of Broadway biker was born um so it's a half and half channel because obviously I love music. So it's all of my like musical fun times. If you just want to feel happy and watch someone, you know, I take really beautiful routes normally throughout the city. So it's a pretty backdrop. Um, and then it's half sort of like bike commuting, uh, empowerment, I guess I want to say, because I love bike commuting and there's a lot of people that come up to me and are like, Oh my gosh, I could never do what you do. Like it's wow. So impressive. And I'm like, it's not actually like I'm just riding my bike, but I know that there's a lot of, you know, people who just don't know, like, how would I even buy groceries on my bike? So then I also love making videos about like just breaking down some of the barriers and just kind of being like, Hey, have you ever thought about bike commuting? There's lots of ways that it can look and there's lots of ways you can incorporate it into your life. So it's half bike commuting and half singing on a bike. Yes. <laughs> Although right now a lot of it is I'm uploading videos from my bike trip across yes, the country. I was going to ask you that. So w- say the name slowly and loudly for the listeners who yes. want to go run over to YouTube right now. Oh my gosh. I would be so delighted. Uh, the channel is called Broadway Biker. It, it, there's a space in between the two words, Broadway, just like, you know, the lovely street of theater lands and biker as in one who rides a bike, although technically I believe I would be a cyclist, but that's okay. Yeah. Bikers. Yes, easy it doesn't to remember. have the same ring to a Broadway cyclist. <laughs> nah, see, that's just, yeah, marketing department vetoed that one. <laughs> <laughs> How fun. And then you're in a band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I love, love, love this group that I play with. Um, we're called Bella Yaga. I don't know if any of you are familiar with the Russian folklore of the witch Baba Yaga, who lives on a hut uh, made of chicken's feet. But it's kind of like a youthful, modern-day spin on that name. Bella Yaga. Um, Beautiful Bella Yaga. Yaga, indeed, yeah. And actually, we're deep in the middle of rehearsals for a really exciting show that merges like theater and music and visual art together. Um, so that's an exciting development. Well, maybe can I play one of your songs at the end of this episode? Oh my gosh, please do. Yeah. Okay. Then we give people a sense of the flavor because it's easier to, because what you do is fairly artistic, but it's very contemporary. How would you explain it? 
Oh my gosh. Um, I think the best attempt at a genre classification that we've come up with is electric folk. Um, the first album, the only album we've released so far is quite, quite folky, but the band is always, the music is always extremely like narrative based, like poetry imagery and all of the shows that we do there's normally always some sort of visual component whether it's like small-scale puppetry or video or whatnot wow so it is kind of ritual in a way it definitely is actually mm-hmm. yeah and you also am i remembering correctly you play violin yeah, so I play violin for Bella Yaga as well as, you know, just when someone needs a violin for a theater show or like a string section for their band for one concert or whatnot. So, yes, the fiddle is part of my life as well. Oh, my goodness. And then where does the opera come in? Ah, the opera. Okay. Um, so that's my training. My undergrad is in classical voice, and I am in a amazing outdoor operetta this summer. If anyone, I don't know if you have listeners in Minneapolis or Minnesota, but if anyone is out there and you want to see a kick-ass outdoor opera that is like very deconstructed, very like street theater off the pedestal, you get food there. It's in gardens and farms. It's called um, the project is called the Picnic Operetta, and the theater company is Mixed Precipitation. But it's just this amazing, like, community-driven opera project that aims to make opera understandable and accessible and more of a living art form than this, like, ye olde, crusty, dusty art form. <laughs> yeah. Is there any chance that you would sing one little tiny line of something for us? Okay, uh, sure. I have no idea how the speaker is going to hold up. Yeah, you might need to bike back off depending on how loud it gets. <laughs> All right, I'm going to hold this microphone away from my head. Um, uh, let's see. Um Etc. Etc. Oh my God! You're the most fun person on the planet. I just, I just decided that. I've been smiling so hard. <laughs> this ah, that makes me so happy. I, I just can't believe it. that I get to talk to you on Hippie Witch. It's, it's like such a crazy magical moment. It's so much fun. It's thank you for reaching out to me because I, I this is one of my favorite things to do is bring people on the show that are super inspiring that I know almost everybody has never heard of that's listening to this show (laughs) friends of mine or somebody that I just meet in passing because you know like the famous authors those people do the rounds of the podcasts and a lot of Mm -hmm. people already know who they are and it's really fun to be like but look at this badass oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) so what is your one tip for creating the kick-ass life of your dreams uh I wish Nike hadn't said it, but just do it. Mm. (laughs) Um, I think that make my big theme for the year that I set out with when I was going into doing this bike trip is make the leap. And I think that I really believe that. Um, It's so scary, but like, you know, don't let any distance that you want to jump 
be too far. Because even if you don't quite make it there, if you still set yourself up for that idea, like you're going to land somewhere, it might seem a little weird and like, whoa, where did I just end up? But like, you'll, you'll find your way. Um, but I think like just the act of not just you, like, you can't just think like I did so much thinking, like thinking, 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 but like, you gotta, you gotta get your, get your running guns up and just like spring off the cliff and just trust that like, right. If you've put the work in and you've got like the vision, if you jump, the world is going to like meet you somewhere. Like it's going to meet you halfway. Yeah. That is so cool. Where can people find you? Especially people that are listening on the go that I'm certainly going to include links here, but where's the fastest way to find you? Um, so I'm working on a website right now. Uh, another like big leap that I have to take <laughs> another like mental hurdle of like, I'm not a real artist, uh, but, oh, but I am. Oh, but you so um, are like <laughs> maximum artists. Yeah. So I am on YouTube. The channel's name is Broadway biker. Um, technically the link you could just type in youtube.com slash C for channel slash Broadway biker, or you can just Google Broadway biker and you will find me. I exist in limited spaces on the internet, but I also exist on Instagram and my Instagram name is very absurd. It is a pirate name, um, because I like to not take myself very seriously. (laughs) So, um, my name on Instagram is Jones, like Indiana Jones underscore the underscore grip hook. Like I'm going to grip this vase, but my hand is made of a hook. So Jones, the grip hook. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I'll link to that too. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Thank you so much for doing this and being your amazing, inspiring self. Oh my gosh. Well, honestly, a lot of myself would not be to this point yet if it hadn't been for your amazing, wonderful, inspiring self. So thank you so much. That's so cool. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Yay! So how was that for one big love fest? I don't ever see myself riding a bike across town, much less the United States, but I find it extremely inspiring that she felt the impulse to do that and she moved past her own zone of lies to actually do something so courageous and I love the way that inspired other people. Isn't that amazing? So what is your one thing like that? Do you have something that you think you would love to do if you weren't so afraid? Maybe you can take a step now toward doing that after listening to Joni talk about how she pulled this whole adventure off. I'm going to be thinking about this. It's perfect during this time where I'm still thinking very much about fearing less. And that experience in the movie theater just tied in so perfectly. I, I feel a little bit silly sharing that with you because it was just one morning in a movie theater and this woman was on her bike for months alone, braving the elements and many, many strangers. But, you know, we all have our different levels of fear related to different situations, depending on certain memories that we have. And it's all valid. But how do we, how do we follow our heart's desire anyway and move forward despite that? I think that that is one of the main things that I'm trying to do here 
on Hippie Witch and with everything I do, not just share how I'm moving forward despite fear in my own life, but hopefully to inspire you to do the same. So here is the song Spell from the album Slipped from a Subtle Skin by Joni's band Bella Yaga. Woohoo! I, I'm so glad I remembered that. <laughs> it's a mouthful. Slipped from a Subtle Skin by Bella Yaga. And the song is Spell. Until we meet again, much love to you. Peace. Oh, oh.